And in breaking news, the house that uh, Louisa, aka Wifey, and I put an offer in to purchase eight months ago, uh, settled on Friday. So uh, we are now, uh, now uh, one uh, very official step closer to the bees of Instagram and the real chickens of Kensington uh, coming online. Um, so we can retire the hashtag, pray for Mark and Louis, thanks for your prayers. Um, that's not true, there was no such hashtag, that's actually fake news. Um, a couple of months ago, uh, I went to, to our realtor's office, I had to pick up some documents for signing, and it's only a, a block and a half from where we're currently residing at the uh, YHA hostel. Um, that's also fake news. Um, and uh, so I went to pick up some documents and I said to the, to, or the agent, who's a friend of, of ours, said, um, is Louis not with you? And I said, oh man, no, not today. Louis is a hot mess. And the agent just, she just had this confounded look on her face like, cause she didn't know if I was throwing shade on Louis or giving her a compliment because hot mess kind of, it's a little ambiguous. And that's the thing with language is language can uh, and does evolve over time. In fact, in the 19th century, the term hot mess was used by the military to describe the place where the, uh, where the soldiers would go to eat hot food, hot mess. Uh, in the 20th century, it, it still remained in the military and uh, it, it had, it, but its meaning had evolved to being, you were in a situation of an intense firefight like Lance Corporal Taylor, we're in the middle of a hot mess. 21st century, however, the, the, uh, according to Urban Dictionary, which I am a keen student of, it, it now means an attractive disaster. This, this idea of somebody who has a particular area of their life that is in complete disarray, and yet somehow they still manage to turn up to work they still manage to function. And in fact, they actually take this, this dysfunctional error of their life and, and, kinda, and kinda work it. And, and, and you look at them kinda thinking, hmm, I'm not sure I want that part of their life, but, but man, they rock it and they're a hot mess. And so um, some of you this morning may have walked in here and had a look around as you do and uh, According to uh, your scan of the room, you may have concluded that there's people here that are much happier than you and seemingly have their life more together than you. But I can and need to assure you at the front end of this new series that the fact that I know a number of people's stories here, that you are in fact, uh, this should be comforting, surrounded by rows and rows of hot messes here this morning. So uh, welcome, welcome to Elevate the house of the hot mess. So we're launching this series, Address the Mess, today. It's a four-week series and, 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 and we're gonna talk about life and we're gonna talk about the messy stuff in life. Mess 101. And today's very much an introduction, so I'm just gonna kind of open up this can of worms today, but over the next four weeks, be here and uh, let's talk about our messes. I'm gonna talk about a range of messes, messes that, that, that one or more 
you can identify with. I'm gonna talk about financial messes. Some of you can identify with financial messes because you've been spending more than you've earned or you've never learned how to manage money. Well, I didn't get taught by my parents. Yes, but you're 35 years old now. <laughs> you can teach yourself. Some of you may be in a financial mess because of circumstances that, that came your way that you had no, no part in. And, and, and we've, Louis and I have been there a number of years ago. Some of you will identify with marriage messes. We're gonna talk about marriage messes. Some of you, right now, your marriage isn't going so well or it was going well and now it's just starting to maybe come off the rails a little bit. We're gonna talk about family messes, relational messes, health messes, Gonna call out the fact that some of you married a mess. His three previous girlfriends all phoned you and invited you for coffee and warned you not to marry him, but you married him anyway because you were said to yourself, I'm gonna fix him. But what you need to understand is you fix a dog, you can't fix a spouse. That's a message for another time. Some of you didn't marry a mess, but you married into a mess. You couldn't quite figure out why she wouldn't uh, allow you to meet her parents and her extended family while you were dating. But on the wedding day, when you finally met them, it all made sense. That family is one extended hot mess. Some of you are being or have been raised by a mess. Some of you are parenting a mess. Some of you, actually, your life's going swimmingly well right now, but I need to let you know that you are in fact in between messes. No denying life is messy. Here's the good news. There's always someone whose life is a bigger mess than yours. That's not the good news, that's actually a bit cruel. Here's the good news. It's not just you. We all have something in common and that thing is mess. Last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, I, I kinda called the church out a little bit for this, that we actually collectively and maybe globally haven't done a very good job at this about recognising that, that mess is real, mess happens to the best of us. And uh, actually, uh, I think if you took a pop quiz in certain pockets of society, Churches would be, uh, in some cases, known more for their criticism of mess than for helping people in some situations who have a mess. And, 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 and that's turned a lot of people off. We've been known as critics. It's prevented a lot of people from turning up in the first place. Why would I go to a place? I know my life's a mess. Why would I go to a place if what I'm gonna get is just more criticism about the fact that my life's a mess? It's true of some churches, and it might've been your experience. Rather than someone listening to your story and offering you compassion, they turned into a critic and just threw shade it at you. And, and, and here's the thing, when I say that I'm calling that out, I'm grateful that that's changing in large pockets of Christianity. And, 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 and I, I, we don't have direct influence over every church on the planet, but I can tell you that as long as I'm leading Elevate Church, and I ain't going anywhere soon, me and the real chickens of Kensington, we're gonna be around for a while, that, that, that we will not be a church that criticizes people's mess because it is not God's approach. And I'll show you why that's true today.
I also called out that guy in the gym. Some of you were here and, and, and I described that guy and some of you, you, you know that guy. I don't think any of you are that guy, but if you've ever been a, a part of a gym, there's that guy who parades around flaunting his beach muscles, wearing his little skimpy singlet. And uh, that guy, he's kind of funny. He's kind of peculiar. Big, big lats. He, he, he can't even use his pockets because he, he, can't actually, he can't actually collapse his lats to get into his pockets. And he walks down this and there's a lot of pointing. That guy does a lot of pointing. He does a lot of this. Does a this. You know, you say to him, you, you, you say to him, hey, Jimmy, what's the time? And Jimmy goes. <laughs> so, but, but the curious thing about that guy is whilst he's parading his beach muscles around in his singlet is he's wearing sweatpants. And I said last week, the reason he wears sweatpants is because he skips leg day but he doesn't want you to see the fact that he skips leg day. I call it the seagull physique. And uh, he doesn't want you to, to know that he skips leg day, but the very fact that he's wearing a singlet because it's hot and sweatpants suggests that something's a little bit off here. And, and we don't want to be the sort of church where you have to wear sweatpants to hide your weaknesses. We don't wanna be the sort of church, the sort of followers of Jesus, where you, because you're so afraid of people judging you, you only ever show them your best bits and you keep your worst bits, your mess, covered by sweatpants. Praying that metaphor will stick. In fact, we're launching our Elevate group this week, Wednesday night, and I've already given a couple of them the, the tip that we're gonna start our uh, chat. Our Elevate group, by the way, starts Wednesday night, it's pretty cool. Um, we do have a dinner, uh, Louis and, and my house, just... Um, in fact, we've got this uh, Neil Watson will tell you this brand new, uh, designed by Heston Blumenthal grill. It's got this uh, rotisserie thing. So I'm I'm gonna do you, you, this. Uh, I'm gonna do chickens, not like the ones I'm growing. Haven't got there yet. Do chickens, uh, chickens, and uh, you put them, skewer them, put them on the rotisserie. Probably about three, four hours. Conga line of chickens. Nice, uh, nice uh, herb, Italian herb crumb seasoning. Probably do some um, uh, uh, paprika. Uh, I think that uh, Aussies call it yellow, yellow banana peppers, just charred and you char them up and then you take them off. You put them while they're hot, a little bit of Himalayan salt, hit them with a bit of olive oil, the cracked pepper. And uh, then we're gonna do some sweet potato, uh, a little slice down the middle of each one, stuff it with a little bit of grass-fed butter, a little bit of garlic, some of uh, fresh thyme from my garden, wrap it in the foil because this thing cooks over coals. Put that on the coals, glamping style. And uh, anyway, we're gonna serve that. So uh, if you're wondering how you can be a part of our Elevate group, uh, you have to be 20 something. Um, so uh, bring your birth certificate. Uh, Brandon and Tom stand at the front gate and they card you. And if you're 20 something, you come in. If you're not, bugger off. Anyway, so we're launching on Wednesday. Mind you, Tanya and Neil have given us some competition. They're having a, a Mexican taco night. And they sent, they sent their invitation out to their Elevate group in Spanish. Come on, yeah, pretty good. Uh, very, very well played, very well played. I love it. Healthy competition. My invite's better than your invite. Muy bueno, muy caliente. Um, all right, I digress. So, uh, but the first thing we're gonna talk about launching our Elevate group this year is I'm just gonna say to the, the crew, guys, put your mess on the table. 
What is it? What's your current mess? Let's put it on the table and let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Let's move with it. And, and, there's, a, and there's a trust and, and that, that you can do that, that you don't have to be a part of Elevate Church. You don't have to be a part of an Elevate group and come wearing sweatpants. You can put your mess on the table. In fact, it was our mess that brought God near. It was our mess that caused God to send His Son, Jesus. It was our mess that caused God to say, I'm not gonna flood them this time. I'm not gonna burn them down this time. I'm not gonna infest them with plagues and boils on their buttocks this time. I, I, got, a better, I got a better one. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play my best hand and I'm gonna send my son Jesus right into their situation to address the mess. And so that's what he did 2017 years ago. And speaking of our Elevate group, last year, one of our meetups, uh, we're talking about just this idea that Jesus fulfilled so many of the things that were written about him in the Jewish scriptures. And, and, and the question was asked, he fulfilled them, like tick the box, yeah, did that, yeah, did that. Wow, he must be the one that God promised for centuries to send. And yet, this was the question, why did so many people miss it? Why did so many people not recognise him? And, and, and the answer to that's a little, there's a lot of moving parts to that, but one of the moving parts as to why they didn't recognise him is he, he did something very unexpected. They were expecting punishment. They were expecting lightning bolts. They were expecting God to push the smite button on His keyboard and have it come their way. They were expecting criticism. They were expecting the worst, but instead of the worst, God sent the best. And Jesus introduced this concept that Paul, and I'll get to this in a second, later would call out, and we call it grace. That God sent Jesus into our mess, a new and better approach and nobody saw it coming and most people missed it. And I don't want us to miss it today. Now you can pop open your Elevate app, tap the Bible. It's gonna take you to a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Now a little bit of Paul's backstory to catch you up. Paul in his day, in the years after Jesus rose from the grave, Paul was a Jewish leader and he was a one man wrecking crew. His mission in life was to destroy the church that was starting to blossom around the known world. He saw it as, as, as not just a threat to Judaism, but actually as a, as a bastardized version of Judaism, something like, and, and that insulted him. He was a very uh, educated guy, very much a purist, and, and, and he wanted to, to shut it down. So he went about killing Christians until one day he actually had a personal encounter with Jesus. And if you wanna talk about a guy whose life did a 180 degree turn after he met Jesus, it was Paul. Paul went from persecuting Christians and trying to make the churches quash them and cut them off at the knees to actually launching churches, to traveling around the known world, particularly the capital, uh, important cities of the known world and starting churches. And he'd start them and he'd train up some leaders and he'd, he'd hand that church over to the local leaders and he'd go on to start another church. But even then, having left physically the church, he would still write to the churches that he'd launched. And he'd write them uh, love letters, 
Um, he'd write them teaching letters. Uh, and sometimes he'd write them some kind of smack on the bum letters. Like, you guys, I heard some of that crap that's going on there. That's not the stuff that Jesus died for. The church is better than that. Fix it. Right, good. You can read them for yourself. But one of them is a letter he wrote to the church in Rome. And Paul was the one who first started to describe or put into words this concept of grace. And here's a little bit of, of how Paul unpacked that. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. And therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. I told you, he's a smart guy. You read this once through and it's like, what? So, because I'm a smart guy and you're smart people, let's take a little bit of time, let's unpack this. Paul, first of all, talked about those who are under the law. And, and he's making the point that all of us live under a certain law. If you live in Australia, you live under the law of, of, of the nation, whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, move. Simple solution. But while you're living here, you live under the law of Australia. We don't live under the law of New Zealand because we live under the law of Australia. Where in this case, Paul would have been talking to them about the idea that, that there, was, there was a written law, the Jewish law, and, and, and they were living under that or previously living under that. And uh, now we, if we're followers of Jesus, we might say the whole Bible is the, the law that we live under, that we try to do life as it says. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's still a law that you live under. There's still a certain level, there's still certain standards that you live under. Oftentimes, it might merely be your conscience. And, and even, even if, you, if you don't, live under God's law. And even if you don't follow Jesus yet, you may live under your conscience. And, and even then, you don't measure up all the time. Paul said that, that every mouth may be silenced. And there's a lot to this, but one of the key aspects of this is when a wise person looks at someone else's mess, they choose to be a student and not a critic. That's wisdom right there. They, they see how someone spends their money and they know it's not the best. They see how someone talks to their spouse or talks to their kids or approaches their job. But instead of becoming a critic, which is easy to do, they become a student. How can I learn sometimes a cautionary tale from this person's mess? When other people... Every mouth may be silenced. This is really, really, really instructive. <laughs> when other people fall short, you need to shut your mouth. <laughs> and hopefully when we fall short, other people's mouths will also be silenced because criticism don't help. Quit being so judgy. No one, this, this, this is just, you know, so encouraging. No one will be declared righteous or right with God. When we mess up, the thing is, have you ever thought to yourself or maybe said it to someone, hey, come on, nobody's perfect. And there's a reference to this idea that, that we fully appreciate, we do, if we're honest, that, that we don't measure up, not to God's standard, not even to our own standard and not to other 
people's standards. We never do. But if that's the whole story, if that's the only thing we focus on, that can lead to despair and resignation and a loss of hope that we're just, we're just a hot mess and, and where do we go from there? Well, Paul hasn't got to the helpful part yet. <laughs> he said, by works of the law rather than, rather through the law, we become conscious of our sin. All right, okay, Paul. I, n- now you're starting to get what Paul's getting at. He's telling you that you don't measure up. He's telling me that I don't measure up. He's telling us we don't measure up. You and I, even on our best day, are a hot mess. Great, Paul. He, he then uh, went on to say, because you know, if we still didn't get the memo, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, Paul, I get it. There's a singular theme that you're pushing out. I'm picking it up, all right? I'm smoking what you're selling, all right? I get it. Even on my best day, I don't measure up. I know what my marriage should look like. I know how I should have behaved. I know how I should have responded. I know what I should have said. I know I should break that habit. I know I shouldn't be in that relationship. I know I don't measure up to the standards of the good people around me who love me. And Paul, all you're doing is reminding me. How is this helpful? (laughs) If we rip the handbrake on now, and that was the end of the story, I'd fully understand if you walked out of the room and never came back. If this is all we preached, I wouldn't be here either. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, okay, Paul, I get it. I knew it before we put those slides up. I know it even more now. I knew it yesterday. I knew it last year. Where do I go? What's this? What's this all about? And, and, and I wanna put it to you that while nobody's perfect, there is actually one who is perfect. That, that our awareness of our imperfection is, is actually highlighted by Him. But it can be changed by Him that our mess caused God to send him and his name is Jesus. And he didn't come to name and shame you. He didn't come to wag his finger. He didn't come to say, doff titties. That's a very old school, West Australian centric cultural reference. How many are old enough and Perth enough to understand doff titties? Even a Queenslander, wow, that, that must have blown up, man. Yeah, the, the orange people. Jesus does not come to say tough titties. He doesn't come to parade you around, pull down your sweatpants, show the world that you missed leg day. He didn't come to criticize. In fact, he came to offer us something and it's something we can't get anywhere else. And this is how Paul, I'm zooming out and I'm switching versions to the message. Since we've compiled, (laughs) some of this is kind of going over, but I'll zoom out. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, (laughs) (sighs) so depressing, and prove that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, 
God did it for us. Ah, there's a glimpse that some good news is coming. It's only called good news if you first appreciate there's some bad news. It's only something we would want to access if we were first made aware of our current reality being something that we don't wanna stick with or get stuck in. Out of sheer generosity, God put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and he restored to us where he always wanted us to be and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. When it comes to our mess, Jesus doesn't stage an intervention. Jesus is the intervention. And whilst it's fantastic and important and and critical and vital that you and I are honest enough, honest enough to ourselves, honest enough to trusted people and loved people in our lives and honest enough to God that yeah, I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess. This area of my life's a mess. This area of my life's a mess. Currently in between messes right now, but you know, I know there's one coming that in all of that, which is life, which is unavoidable, which Jesus promised, in this world you will have troubles. No kidding, Jesus, you need to come from heaven to remind us of that. We knew that before you arrived, buddy. Highlight the mess, remind us of the mess, remind us of our shortcomings. Tell us we can't get to God's standard, that compared to His perfection, we'll never make it, even on our best day. But Jesus didn't and doesn't stage an intervention, He is the intervention. This concept of grace is so brilliant, is so uh, central, so core to what it means to follow Jesus. The very fact that Jesus meets us in our mess, that Jesus came because of our mess, that Jesus accepts us and loves us unconditionally, not just despite our mess, but because of our mess, in the midst of our mess, that, that our mess is a portal to His presence. It's critical to understand that grace is about that, but it's not only about that. Grace comes with compassion. Grace comes gift wrapped with mercy. Grace comes not just batteries included. Grace comes with with love and, and, and all of the things that when you're in a mess that you desperately, desperately, we desperately, desperately cry out for. God, I'm a mess. This area of my life is a mess. He says, I know. He says, I'm there. He says, I'll meet you there. He says, I love you there. He says, he says don't, don't think that your value in my sight is diminished because of the mess. Your value, if you didn't know how valuable you were, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna come to earth I'm gonna abandon heaven. I'm gonna die on a cross for you. If you think you're not valuable, picture that. That's how valuable you are. You're not, your value is not measured by your mess. Gotta love that about Jesus. We think we get cropped out sometimes, cropped out because we're a mess. No, it's a mess that brings us in. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And that might sound exclusive, it is. But, but the way to be a part of that way, that truth, that life is inclusive. It's just about saying yes 
to abandoning our mess to Jesus, to submitting our mess to Jesus. But this is the great, this is the genius of Jesus, that grace doesn't just meet us in our mess and leave us there. Grace meets us in our mess and doesn't just come gift wrapped with compassion and doesn't just come gift wrapped with mercy and doesn't just come, come gift wrapped with unconditional love. It comes batteries included. It comes gift wrapped with empowerment. It comes gift wrapped with access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so that you can be in a mess, you can have a mess, you can be stuck in that mess, you can be uh, depressed and, 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 and losing hope because of that mess. And Jesus comes and says, I'll meet you in that mess, but I don't wanna leave you in that mess. I'm gonna give you something. I'm gonna give you me. I'm gonna give you my presence. I'm gonna give you my power. I'm gonna give you, that's grace. Grace is love and acceptance and compassion where you are and empowerment so you don't get stuck where you are. So your mess doesn't become the new normal for you. It becomes something you're passing through, something you're growing out of, something Jesus is not just delivering you from, but something He's gonna be delivering us into, something better so that you can be applied. Yeah, I, I, was, I was raised by a mess. Jesus says, I know, I saw it. Let's go. My kids are a mess. Yeah, I know, I've seen their rooms. Let's go. My job's a mess. Yeah, I know, I've watched. Let's go. My health's a mess. Yeah. I've seen you with the doctors. I understand that. Let's go. My relationships are a mess. Man, yeah, I get it. I saw your Facebook status. It's complicated. Let's go. <laughs> Address the... Ma See, <laughs> if that part of it was the only part of it. It's better than criticism, right? Unconditional love and acceptance, but it's not a solution. More people to join your pity party. Oh, Jesus, come on in. Grace. And my prayer over these next four weeks for those of you that are stuck, that you would be vulnerable enough before Jesus, and we're launching our Elevate groups this week. Bernardi's gonna tell a bit more about that shortly. It it's, could be with your Elevate groups, it could be in the context of your, of your marriage, close friends, that you would put your mess on the table and trust that God is gonna use this four weeks as we drill into how God sees and works with your mess, to see your progress. I, I ain't gonna BS you that, that every mess in your life's gonna be solved in four weeks. I, I, I can't promise you that. Can't promise you that maybe it's gonna be solved today that you've got a revelation and a, and a breakthrough today, but week three, a new mess arrives. But if you come on this journey, my prayer is that, that God, that you, you will open your heart up to God 
moving you along by his grace, assuring you of his presence, you having a greater awareness of his presence in your mess. It's pretty liberating, I think. It's pretty liberating. I hope you think this too, to be a part of a church where we say, you're a hot mess. <laughs> then we love that you're here because we are too. Let me ask one more question and then uh, hand off to Renati. Some of you, your journey of meeting Jesus is gonna be today just like it was for Paul where you have yet to actually submit your life to him and, and committed to following him. And the great news is we're gonna give you that opportunity right here, right now. If you have not ever yet made a decision to follow Jesus, I wanna encourage you strongly to make that decision in this moment today. And all I want you to do is put your hand up. Simple as that, just say, Jesus, that's me today. I, today, am deciding to follow you. When I see your hand, put it down, I'll pray, no problem, all good. So just looking around, if you've never made this decision to say, yes, Jesus, I wanna follow you, put your hand up. I'll see it, you can put it down and I'll pray for you. 